Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. I'm Chua Tian Tian with your Market View. Now, South Korean and Thai credit markets at the heart of our discussion today. Now, speaking of South Korea, the country has been scrambling to prevent a credit market meltdown from sparking broader contagion after local corporate bonds suffered one of the most record sell-offs in the past three months. Now, more recently, we saw... South Korean insurer Hankook Life Insurance saying that it will delay the buying back of perpetual bonds over unfavorable market conditions and the U.S. Fed's hawkish stance. Now, that move triggered a perpetual bond route in Asia. Now, while Hankook Life has reversed that earlier move, it's now calling back its perpetual notes. We want to find out the outlook for South Korea's bond markets. Closer to home, investors continue to watch Thailand's banking sector, even as the country recovers from the troughs of the pandemic. But why is this the case? Well, let's find out more from Rina Kwok, credit analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence. She joins us on the show. Hi, Rina. How are you? Hi, Tian Tian. I'm good. Thanks for having me today. And great to have you on the show as well, as always. And Rina, let's start with South Korea. Give us a background as to what's going on there. Also, what's contributing to the fragile debt market, especially those denominated in foreign currencies. Sure. Now, South Korean issuers could find unfavorable funding conditions at home and abroad amid the global rate hike, as well as the rising risk aversion following the recent debt default by Legoland Korea, as well as their flip-flop call decision by Hong Kong Life following a dollar perpetual bond. Now, just to share the current average CDS premiums for the big four South Korean banks in November has risen to levels the highest since 2017. Right. And well, Rina, speaking about that flip-flop move by Hankook Life Insurance to exercise a call option on its dollar-denominated perpetual notes, tell us why is this the case perhaps and what does this move signal for other South Korean banks and bond issuers? So now we think that the revised decision by Hankook Life to eventually call its perpetual bond has eased the sell-off in South Korean banks' AT1s a little now, still in this climate of rising interest rate as well as widening credit spreads, no core risk is a key risk to watch and investors shouldn't assume that you know, issuers are still likely to call back the bonds at first call date if the economic benefit is not there. Right. So um, for the sake of our listeners, AT1s, could you explain that a little bit more? It's just perpetual bonds, right? So AT1s do not have a maturity date and they are perpetual in nature. Now, these debt instruments offer higher returns to investors, but also at a higher risk. Now, these bonds are actually used by the banks to expand their capital base. Right. So going forward, uh, analysts say rising rates by the Fed, the current unfavorable market conditions, that could negatively affect the refinancing and new sales of such perpetual bonds for South Korean insurers, non-bank financial firms. But uh, do you think this is the case for South Korean banks as well? Now, we think for the big four South Korean banks, they are still likely to call the dollar eighty ones at the first call date. Based on these two factors, they are still well capitalized and they have modest refinancing needs in the next 12 months. Now, but we want to point out that Wuri Bank has the weakest capital position among the major peers. Right. Tell us a little bit more about Wuri Bank's capital position, if you may. Sure. Now, for Wuri Bank, its capital uh, with core capital of about 12% is significantly weaker than its major peers like of Sinhan, Kana, and KB uh, Kunming Bank. Now, that being said, you know, 
Worry Bank over the past few years, they have actually strengthened their risk control and improved its risk profile in the past few years. And that could actually allow them to maintain comparable risk profiles in this climate as compared to its peers. Right. And if you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to Rina Kwok, credit analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence. Well, Rina from South Korea, I want to take us to Thailand. Now, you mentioned in one of your credit outlook notes that Thailand is one of the worst performing countries in ASEAN amid its nascent economic recovery. So tell us a little bit more about why is this the case? Because to the layman or the man in the street, it seems like the economy is recovering fairly well with tourism coming back. Yeah, I think that's a good question. Investors are actually wondering if the worst is over for Thai banks. Now, they say three is a crowd. Now, for Thai banks, they actually face a triple whammy of inflation, weaker bond, as well as elevated household debt levels that could actually stress their borrowers and upset the country's uneven recovery. However, that being said, we are seeing early signs of stability in the economy with the reopening of the borders, as well as a stronger tourism recovery. The worst might be over and seeing some signs of recovery. Tell us more about Thailand's banking sector's uh, gross non-performing ratio outlook uh, next year. Now, as we mentioned, a stabilizing economy could partly ease some of the elevated credit risks that we see for the Thailand banking sector. We do expect Thailand banking sector gross non-performing loan ratio for next year to rise to about 3.6 to 3.8%, partly masked by the forbearance measures, which do not expire until the end of 2023. Now, we do expect a huge part of this forbearance loans to migrate to restructured loans, for which some of the banks could bear credit losses and interest rate rise. Now, additional back loans that we see in 2023 to 2024 could be offset by the joint venture between banks and asset management companies, as well as most of the major banks' high provisioning. Right. And in that case, Rina, overall, do you think that it's a cause for concern for us at this point? Sure. I think for Thai banks, you know, the asset quality or rather the true asset quality is still being masked by the forbearance measures, which do not end until the end of 2023, like we have mentioned. So as the economy stabilizes, we still see um, Thai banks seeing elevated credit risk, though, you know, some green shoots in the economy has emerged uh, in this year and are likely to firm up going into next year. Right. And finally, before we let you go, Rina, what is the profitability outlook for major Thai banks next year? I think major Thai banks' profitability will be on the mend in 2023, led by attraction and credit growth. Assuming economic recovery continues to pick up, faster interest margin as well as the easing but still elevated credit costs, which have actually peaked in 2022. Now, we expect some of the lenders could delay passing on the rate hikes to borrowers, especially for banks with weaker borrowers such as SMEs as well as the lower income retail uh, consumers, and that potentially limiting the margin upside. Now, we think that Casicom Bank earnings could see good rebound next year after its cleanup of its balance sheet this year. All right, lots to look forward to. Thanks very much, Rina. That was Rina Kwok, Credit Analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Thanks, Tian Tian. Take care. You too. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.